After 10,000 years, we are finally free, free to bring you another bonus episode, Walking Down Memory Lane. Yeah. We are here to talk about life with Archie. Specifically, the final issue. Well, the, the final two issues. Yes. 36 and 37 together in one commemorative volume. Yes. The death of Archie, remembering an icon. The double-size commemorative issue. (laughs) So uh, I I guess that full title and subtitle uh, uh, sort of gives away the main thrust of what the story is about. But yes. Yes. Life with Archie started running in uh, 2010, ran for a few years, telling two parallel stories of the Archie gang in their, their 20s. Yes. One in which Archie married Betty, and one in which Archie married Veronica. Mm -hmm. And it concluded the way stories about lives tend to, with the death of the main character. The death of Archie. Uh, So yeah, The Death of Archie is written by Paul Kupperberg, Mm -hmm. uh, pencils by Pat Kennedy, Tim Kennedy, and Fernando Ruiz. Uh, Fernando Ruiz might uh, uh, ring some bells for for our very uh, attentive listeners. He also did the art for Archie vs. Predator. Yeah. 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 Paul Kupperberg, this is the first time I think we're covering any of his work. Uh, He was the last senior editor at the Weekly World News before my favorite newspaper closed up shop. Yeah. Uh, and after that, he, he worked for a few years for the WWE, editing WWE Kids. Yep. <laughs> and from there, yes, he started writing Life with Archie, uh, telling this story of parallel worlds. And, and I don't just mean side-by-side timelines, like there's actual dimension hopping, Dilton builds a machine. <laughs> yeah. Time for your recap. It's long. <laughs> We start off with uh, Archie on a jug, a jug, <laughs> on a jog. He's sitting on his best friend jug. No, uh, he's on a jog, and he he's reminiscing about where it all started mm-hmm. with the touch of a hand. Very clumsy hands as they they knock over a chocolate milkshake. It pops yes, when when he's like little. They're all little. Little Archie. Um, and it, it goes through kind of a montage of over the years about how it started with a hand and, you know, then being interested in a girl mm-hmm. and uh, how his life came about making her happy. And it's all these montages where it's like both Betty and Veronica are in the shot. This is the most mind-blowing thing about this story to me. So like I mentioned, yes. Life with Archie follows these two dramatically different timelines yeah. for all these characters. But this is the ending to both of them. Mm-hmm. So it's incredibly non-specific about the biggest thing in the story. It is completely... <laughs> the entire story that we're recapping here is open-ended about who Archie is with. <laughs> 
So if there's only like one female that is supposed to be seen, you never see their head. You only yes. see like their hand or their torso, and it's always in a way where you can't distinguish who it actually would be. Yes, yeah. Anytime they can't get away with having both Betty and Veronica together. Yes. So so this montage goes on about how he 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 can't tell you exactly when like he fell for her, but there was a time that he knew. And how, like, yeah, he dated some other girls for a while, but it was really just to make her jealous. <laughs> and that it was time to stop playing games and commit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the it, promise to make her happy, and that made me happy, too. Aww. And whoever he married, he married very young. Yes. Like to, Depending on which story you read, it's both, like, right out of high school. Yes. So, yeah, he's, he's thinking about all these things. And how life's kind of calmed down, mm-hmm. and you're thinking about his life, and he's where he needs to be. And his uh, shoes are distractingly untied the whole time. So, of course... I'm, he, I'm expecting him to break his face any moment. It does not happen. He stops, talks to grumpy old man... Uh, Mr. Pavia. Grumpy old man Pavia, telling him stories of how his dad was like a fumble man in baseballs that's what they call him a fumble man a fumble man you ever you ever hear that <laughs> anytime you're watching a ball game on the tv like oh here comes that fumble man yes standing in all the deep time left. all the time sammy sosa noted fumble man for the chicago cubs <laughs> or she's all like oh well that's good to know like i'll have to bring that up ne- next time he talks about his glory days don't you insult your father or give him sass oh grumpy old man v- very can't win for losing situation with with this old codger so they have a nice conversation <laughs> and then and and then we get a cameo from uh sponge man red shorts my, my favorite yes. legally distinct children's character yes he has no arms <laughs> oh i know he has no he has no arms Sm- sponge man red shorts has no arms of course not. He's a sponge. That would be silly. But he has feet. Because <laughs> how else are you going to keep those red shorts on? Th- this is a, a character on a child's t-shirt in the foreground, taking focus. Yes. Uh, the, the child's brother seems to be wearing a normal Batman t-shirt. Who so, knows? Most of his arm is blocking that's it. That's true. It's true. And they have a little conversation about about Riverdale, how there's a reason you know folks stay there. Property values. Yep. <laughs> and and don't go forgetting the past. And, uh, Archie continues on his run. And old man grumpy face is thinking, well, maybe there's still hope for the next generation. Because he's just like his father. A fumble man. So Archie continues on his run. He's thinking about, think about your future. Which is what old man grumpy face told him. Um, As he jogs down memory lane. An actual street sign that says memory lane. And he's like, man, it feels like I was just in high school. And then he's like, man, what's it going to be like when I'm in my parents' shoes? And then we get several pages where it's suddenly Archie mowing the lawn of his own house with his own kids. Yeah, he's got the slightest little dad gut as he tries to, to Tom Sawyer his high school daughter into doing some household chores instead. And some gray hair. A little, little touch of gray. He's got a little Reed Richards going on. Yeah. 
yeah, so he's, he's trying to talk his daughter into mowing. She's all like, I'm on the phone. His older son comes home from college. Of course, he's all like, hey, slugger, let me give you a little punchy nub in the cheek. <laughs> Direct dialogue. Uh, just reading it off the page. Yeah, yeah. No, what, what I like on this page is that, all right, the son drives home from college and parks the car in, in one of the bottom panels. And the page number looks like his license plate is just 10. Yes. This is the 10th car in America. It's great. <laughs> and of course, Archie has to talk about, uh, you know, how in his day you had to drive your own car, your cars that had gasoline back then. So so then he goes inside and you see his wife, but only from the neck down. So you don't know who it is. And he continues on his run, thinking about how the Andrews clan hasn't done too bad for itself, staying put in Riverdale for all these generations. And like old man Grumpy Face said, uh, it's families like ours that have kept Riverdale what it is. But then he thinks about what... As a kid, he always dreamed about, like, getting out of Riverdale. And what would that have been like? Like, yeah. if he was, like, Mr. Lodge and had all this money, what would that have been? So then we get, he's picturing himself on this run as a wealthy Mr. Andrews with a private jet mm-hmm. and his children meeting him there. And the same two redheaded children? Yes. Very dominant genes, I guess. Yes. And, and how they were running late because they had to get a... <laughs> oh, they had to get Jughead's extra super duper Sunday, and that's why they're running late to the plane. In both of these realities, Jughead owns and operates the chocolate shop. Yes, as it should be. In if one it of can't them, be Pops, it has to be him. In one of them, he married Ethel, and in the other, he married Midge. And they have a child. Oh. He does not have a child with Ethel. Yet, no. at least. When the story ends. Ah. So, of course, wife comes in again, but we don't know who it is. With her Wilma Flintstone pearls. <laughs> Yes. And cap sleeves, little puff sleeves. Yeah, that's a terrible (laughs) outfit. (laughs) I thought this was 20 years in the future, Arch. What are you thinking? Then he's like, I guess there's one constant, even in my dreams. Her. (laughs) Non-specific her. And the three of us. Me, her, and Riverdale. He's a real big fan of Joaquin Phoenix, just in general. (laughs) Something tells me we're in this together. Forever. For 75 years, never ending. Headed back to, I guess, kind of like middle school little Archie. Yeah. Not quite little little Archie, but... Tween Archie. Tween Archie. He's coming into the chocolate shop with Jughead and Reggie and Betty and Veronica are already there. And uh, Reggie's trying to show off his... Uh, that he was a hitting machine, yeah. hitting all the balls. He's a real swingster, that kid. And he... Basically tries to murder Pop Tate <laughs> by hitting the tray out of his hand. That mantle boy was always bad news. So, of, of course, uh, Pop Tate's like, go get the mop. Uh, and then we, we go back to, to nowadays in the chocolate shop, which is where Archie's run has ended. And there's mm-hmm. Reggie. Uh, and he's catching up with about time. The times. All the times. All the the times. future times. Past times. He sings the songs, songs that, that remind him of, of the, the better times. times. So Jughead's there, and uh, Archie orders a giant breakfast burrito with extra cheese, and Jughead makes a comment about, well, there goes your run. (laughs) Which is why Jughead has been having such horrible financial issues. Don't 
running the chocolate if shop. If he wants to pay you 50 cents extra for more cheese, you let that man pay you he 50 cents more. He is volunteering for an upcharge. You have rent to pay, Mr. Jones. So this is where we find out that that night is going to be Kevin's big fundraiser because he is running. He has run. Or he has run. He's elected but not yet sworn in as the junior senator of whatever state Riverdale is in. <laughs> Just as nonspecific as Archie's spouse. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's like, yep, you know, we're all volunteering. We're all going to be there. The... And then we find out that the, the fundraiser is for the victims and their families of a shooting that happened at a mall where he targeted specifically gay people. There, there have been several shootings throughout yes. uh, the history of life with Archie. I think Kevin's husband, Clay, was shot, and then yes. there was this shooting. And so Kevin ran on a gun control platform. Yes. And that, that is why he's about to be senator. Uh, so the police are still looking for the shooter, though. They do not have him. They tracked him for a while, but then he got away. But they found, like, some evidence in the motel that they tracked this guy to that had, like, Kevin's campaign stuff. Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh, no, he's probably a target. Yeah. And they're like, he should really cancel. But we all know Kevin's not going to do that. And on the next page, we find out Kevin's not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> talking to the FBI dudes and like, no, no, we're not canceling. And no, you should really cancel. No, we're not canceling. And his little goateed husband. Yes. Who was his physical therapist when Kevin was recovering from his own gunshot wound that he received in Iraq. Yeah. Yes. Ke Kevin is, is, a, is a veteran turned senator. Yeah. So they're all like, we'll do our best to protect you under these circumstances. But ooh, bad mm, idea. Mm. Some sort of TV detective looking dude. So then uh, Archie's walking down the street later in the day and he runs into Mr. Weatherby at the hardware store. And he thinks about how he never thought growing up about how fortunate he was about the people that were in his life. Yeah, it's very, you know, it takes a village. Yes. Yeah. So he, he's reminiscing about a moment on the playground with Mr. Weatherby. The first time he had to choose between Betty and Veronica. Yeah. Yeah. So Mr. Weatherby's going on his way, and of course Archie's like, just want to say thanks. And he's like, thanks for what? <laughs> just, just, you know, for everything. Aww. Archie sees Cheryl go by. In, in a headscarf, because she has been dealing with chemotherapy. Yeah. At this point in the series, she has uh, founded her own cancer charity. Yeah. Uh, although not with her parents' money, she was dead broke and pretending to be an actress in uh, Los Angeles at the beginning. Yep. Uh, so he starts thinking about how, like, man, why am I thinking about the past so much? <laughs> Is it because I'm about to die? And this, and this, and uh, wondering about what might have been in different circumstances. And so then we see, like, an image of him with... Cheryl. Mm -hmm. See an image of him with Valerie and their little babies. Yeah, they got cute kids. And then he's uh, back on memory lane. So, the fundraiser happened. It was fine. No one got shot. Now it's the after party, after party, after party at uh, Jughead's Chocolate Shop. Yay! Which is packed with absolutely everyone that has ever existed in an Archie thing. Yeah, look, look at uh, Grundy and Weatherby. They got married. 
Yeah. She she's looking good. Yeah. For being two hundred years old. <laughs> so we see Moose. Moose is here with his anger management therapist. Yeah. Uh, who he gets together with. In one of the timelines, he is mayor. In the other, he is Riverdale High's janitor. Ah. And taking the picture of everybody, uh, the, the shutterbug here, is Jellybean. Jellybean! All grown up and in high school herself with a Ramones shirt. Yes. So he's just looking around and greeting everyone and seeing, you know, there's Chuck. Mm-hmm. Chuck's there. He's talking to Jughead. In his finest tuxedo t-shirt underneath uh, his diner apron. Yeah. Classy. Uh, so he gets, a, you know, of course, a chocolate soda made. Mm-hmm. With three straws, just like the opening pages. And just like the old days. Yeah. So then he goes and talks to Reggie, and they're both, like, waiting for their ladies. Because in both timelines, Reggie is dating the girl Archie didn't marry. Yes. So neither of them can be specific about who they're waiting for. So they're like, she's a keeper. (laughs) When are you going to ask the big question? (laughs) Yep. They're just having very vague conversations about women. (laughs) In the timeline where Archie has married Veronica... Mm-hmm. And the two of them are, are helping run Lodge Industries, and, and Reggie is dating Betty. They sell a TV pilot and are now television producers on a, uh, a series based on their lives. It's there's like Reggie and Betty, the show. Yes. That's weird. Who would watch that? Who would watch that? Kevin's showing up. And they're like, FBI's like, come on, don't go inside. There's too many people. He's all like, no, I'm going to go inside. This is all our friends. Uh, and of it's course, the he, safest place to be. He's showing up with Betty and Veronica mm-hmm. uh, at the same time. Because they were volunteering to, to do the cleanup stuff. Yes. Yeah. Of course, they're like talking about how they're going to be like chief of staff. <laughs> and oh no no don't you mean vice president we will be once he's president once Keller. he's president yes you don't need to fight over a job they weren't fighting those were both jobs they were proposing for veronica yes okay never mind <laughs> so that they're in there everyone's there in- including angry columbo yes and they're all like talking into their wrists like do you see anything do you see anything what about you Meanwhile, Archie and Reggie are like, wow, she takes my breath away. Yeah, she takes mine away, too. Who are you talking about? (laughs) Flip a coin. Uh, Meanwhile, in this, there has been a man in a hood who's been popping up in many of these panels. Mm -hmm. And they're suddenly like, wait, I see someone behind Kevin. There, there. FBI man starts brandishing a revolver and shouting. And they're all like, Closing in on him, and then we see Archie saying, he's got a gun, and then we see a whole lot of guns, and a whole lot of FBI people, and Kevin making- The hoodie guy is a red herring. FBI guy pulls his gun, and and he's gunless. That's not who Archie saw. No, and Kevin is is yelling for Clay to get down, and Betty and Veronica are all, (gasps) and then we see that there is a different gun with a different hand, and Archie runs- and steps in front of Kevin. Who's stepping in front of Betty and Veronica. Yes. War hero. 
Yes, who's already pushed Clay out of the way, and Archie gets shot. Right in the gut. Right in the gut. And it's not by the man in the hoodie who doesn't have a gun. It is by Jughead's, like, busboy. And that's why you gotta do a background check whenever you get hired for a job. And so then he gets tackled, and we find out, okay, Clay's okay. Kevin's okay. (gasps) Archie's not okay. Archie is bleeding out on the diner floor as... Betty goes down to grab him while Veronica's calling for help, calling Clay because he is a medical professional. Yes. And Archie says, looking up at both Betty and Veronica, I've always loved you. And then there's just a big group picture of everyone comforting each other Mm -hmm. as Jughead holds Archie as he dies. And Kevin has his hand on Jughead's shoulder to support him. Betty and Veronica are holding each other. I guess maybe that's not Ms. Grundy. I oh, that's right. Ms. Grundy's dead at this point. That's Miss Lodge. That's uh, Hermione. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah. going to say, I thought her face looked a little odd for her. Yeah. Miss Grundy died. Sorry, folks. Uh, this is the biggest hint I have for precisely which uh, uh, universe this is. Yeah. Uh, Midge is holding Jellybean. In one universe, they're sister-in-laws, sisters-in-law. Ah. In the other, it's just the, the guy my brother used to date, but he married someone else. Is is Miss Grundy dead in both? I bl- yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Moose is holding back Archie's dad. Yeah, yeah. Aww. There's a lot of little details in how everyone is taking care of each other. Yeah. Oh, oh. Very sad. And then, and then we get a page of a, the spilled three straw milkshake that was spilled in the beginning, the first time they touched hands, mm-hmm. whichever one it was, and now it's spilled in the commotion of his death. Yeah. Oh. Uh. So that's issue thirty-six, but this is the double-length special. Yeah. Issue thirty-seven. One year later. This is now like from Kevin's point of view. Mm-hmm. Now Senator Kevin Keller. Yes. And he, he's looking at this, this picture of everyone at school. Sometime around graduation, I guess. It's certainly after Kevin moved to town. He's right there in the middle. Yes. Uh, and he's talking to Weatherby. And what's going to be happening is... Um, some sort of ceremony. A ceremony. Kevin's and, giving some manner of speech. Yes. So he's wanting to collect stories of Archie mm-hmm. from different people's lives. Uh, he's like, I want to hear... From you know the people who knew him the best, and Weatherby talks about how he he cared about everyone, and tells him the story about how Archie started doing like really poorly in school, even more mm-hmm. than he was, and like was always like falling asleep and would be running off places. And Weatherby started to realize like he was lying about stuff. Like he'd be like, "Oh, I gotta go help my mom," but then he'd run into like his mom, mm-hmm. or I'm gonna be babysitting so-and-so's twins and then he'd like run into the twins and be like what's going on going to see a movie of the fox which is one of our the archie comics own superheroes yes you can read about the fox in the mighty crusaders yes so whether calls archie into his office and is like what's going on and archie doesn't really want to say but what we find out is that when his like bike broke, he ended up in front of Mr. Pavia's house mm-hmm. and found out that there was 
well, the water department found a leak, but it's from the pipes on his property, and so they're not going to pay for it to be fixed, and he has to do it, which he can't afford. So Archie got his cousin? Friend? Cousin. His cousin to fix it, but he's posing as the city, Mm -hmm. or like being paid by the city, and Archie's working it off. For right. his cousin. He's he's doing plumbing work. Yes. So he's like rushing off everywhere so he can go work to pay for this. And Archie and Weatherby's like, okay, you're done. I'm calling the city. We're going to take care of this. We're going to get your cousin paid so you can get back on track. I know the mayor. I educated him. Yeah. I am ancient and timeless, Archie. That That is Weatherby's story. And then... I've married so many Grundies over the centuries, Archie. I've buried each and every one, and it never gets easier. Come here. I love that he's a war correspondent. (laughs) This is how old people speak, Mr. Andrews. I invented it. So so now Kevin is with Mr. and Mrs. Lodge in this park. She has an incredibly modern haircut for someone her age. I guess that's just how rich people are. She's going for the young, youthful look. Mm-hmm. He's going for Colonel Sanders. Yeah, he grew a Colonel Sanders goatee, and it is not working. No. It is very bad. So they're talking about uh, Pickens Park. This, like, falling apart, trashed park when they were little. Yeah. And... They, they basically have an episode of Parks and Rec here in the middle of your Archie <laughs> story. And so Archie's all like, you know, someone should do something. We should do something. And there, Veronica's like, no, no, come on. We gotta go. Let's go swim in my pool. Let's just hang out in my dad's backyard. Everything's fine if you're rich. I don't see the problem, Archie. And he still just, like, keeps thinking about it. Like, this park that's been trashed. And, like, so he goes inside to get a drink. And he overhears Mr. Lodge talking to some investors that they're going to buy Pickens Park and... And they'll they have their develop choice it. of developers. Hey, there's a smorgasbord of people willing to put up condos or malls or whatever. And Archie's... Arms manufacturers, maybe a private prison. Yeah. And Archie's like, Mr. Lodge, what are you doing? But what a, but we need, the kids need a place to play. And he's all like... You can always play stuff. in my backyard, yeah, just, little boy. Just go play in the backyard. And, uh... You're always welcome here, Archie. And Veronica's like, do you mean that? (laughs) Anything to get you to shut up, child. Well, I don't think he did mean it, but he said it. So then they get, like, the entire student body to come and hang out in Mr. Lodge's backyard and create a ruckus. Mm -hmm. Valerie's bathing suit raises some, some questioning implications. Have Josie and the Pussycats been touring since the age of nine? Yes. What kind of band is this? (laughs) Yes, they have. So, like, well, you said we could all come, and, like, all the parents were really happy because they didn't want us playing in that park that's falling apart. It was full of dirty needles from heroin. Yeah. Lots of heroin. Yeah, so they're they're very happy we're here. And uh, Mr. Lodge is like, well played. I'll cancel my plans in the park. It's yours again. Uh, Archie's like, well, if there was only a way to, like, you know, raise money to make it safe again. He's like, Do, this is gonna cost me money, isn't it, to get you out? Fine, here's a check! <laughs> and that's how Archie saved the park. So now we're back at uh, Jughead's chocolate shop, and Kevin's there talking about how, 
you know, it's so nice that everyone grew up there their whole lives and mm-hmm. like knows everyone and how he would have loved to have had that stability and that like connection to a place for so long. And Jelly Bean gets a boob job between panels, but then it goes away. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. I guess that's like a padded apron. Yeah, it's a push-up apron for sure. <laughs> it's a little strange. <laughs> Kevin, Reggie, Jellybean, and Jughead leave and put a little we'll be back at 530 sign and send some kids away that look strangely like Veronica, Betty, and Archie as little children. The haircut on the Archie one makes him look like an orange. He's like orange birds human version. Yeah, yeah. Just a big old orange head. Well, I hope, you know, those kids look strangely familiar, and man, I hope they, uh, you know. Use protection? No, they, like, grow up together and get to be friends forever, (laughs) and get to graduate to the Vitamin C song graduation Mm -hmm. with a photo montage. Because, uh, Good Riddance by Green Day will finally be too cliché. No, they'll play that one for the second half. Oh, okay. It's a long montage. You need more than three minutes of music for the montage. I'm not sure how big a school Riverdale High is. I have never seen a graduating class larger than nine. (laughs) Then we get a story about, like, Reggie and Jughead talking about how, remember when we weren't friends? So... We, Have you ever been friends? Apparently they're friends now. Okay. They're friends now. For the first time. Remember when we weren't friends four months back? Uh, and it's them playing tricks on each other. So Jughead gets a lot of blue paint on Reggie. And then Reggie's like, I'm going to get you back. So they're going to have like a burger eating competition. He puts hot sauce all over them. And then when Jughead's like face is melting off, he's like, here, have some milk. Oh, wait, I put hot sauce in the milk, too. Which would just make gross milk. It wouldn't make hot milk. But uh, all you need it to be is gross, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's, that's mean. So then they get mad at each other and they're like, Archie, you have to pick. It's either me or him. Who are you going to be friends with? And I'm like. Archie pick Jughead. But <laughs> yeah. apparently this is a hard decision. <laughs> so then Archie starts hanging out with other people. Reggie and Jughead are sitting in Pops and they're like, this is so dumb. We made him choose and now he's not our friend and we need to like get, we need to get over this. I really like the image in this sequence of panels of the two of them getting closer and closer with every exchange. Yeah. But like... From a realism standpoint, it makes no sense, because that is a diner bar with stools. So these are stools that are on wheels, Each and they're one just is like... In between every sentence, they're standing up, moving one over, sitting down, saying something, and then repeating. Yes. <laughs> That's why Pop has such a weird face in this last panel. He's like, how the fuck did you do that? <laughs> he just saw some damn Black magic! Black magic! Archie, I've been mind-freaked. So then uh, Archie comes in with his new buds, and they he sees Reggie and Jughead, and they're all like, sorry, we were jerks. I want to know more about these friends. I, I guess that's Chuck. I think that's but Chuck. I don't know who, who's... like, no-eyed hoodie dude is. Yeah, this dude looks cool. I bet he skateboards. <laughs> And listens to Matchbox 20, which is why he has that haircut. It's a Rob Thomas haircut. Oh, hey, Archie. Uh, do you remember when everyone had those haircuts? I don't, I don't know if you heard of this band, but like the song Bent, it changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone had those haircuts, though. 
Like, 2005 was, like, those haircuts. If I couldn't see, could you see? It's like poetry, man, and that's why I grew my hair like this, to, like, live that, man. So they become friends again, and they're all like, since then we, you know, been friends, we've been buds, even if we get on each other's nerves, couldn't live without each other. So then... Uh, people are heading towards to the ceremony, and Betty and Veronica are coming in and reminiscing about how, like, wow, I can't believe it's been a year. Mm-hmm. You know, feels like it just was. I don't know how either of us would have survived without each other. Who would know what we were going through, or what, like, we were going through better than the only other woman who felt the same way about Archie? Yeah, that it's only made their their bestie ship stronger. Yes. Uh, and then Cheryl's there, looking looking great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I we we can assume she's in remission. She's she's grown out her hair into this mm-hmm. sweet little pixie thing. And and so they just reminisce about how things are, mm-hmm. how things are going. I love how Cheryl is drawn in a different sort of comic book style. She's like she comes out of like a glamour magazine in all of these shots. Mm-hmm. While Betty and Veronica have, have their round faces, their dot eyes. Yeah. Like she's, she's Cheryl actually has irises. Yes, she does. <laughs> They're like, oh you asked how Betty and I stayed friends even though we were competing for the same boy. And the answer is we didn't have a choice. Now we get another flashback. And it's all about how uh, the dance is coming up, and Ethel's looking dreamily at Jughead, and we find out that Jughead hasn't told her that he has his grandma's birthday party. Mm-hmm. And Which like, I think might be made up. I don't know. I don't think grandma would mind if you went to the dance. He just really doesn't want to. He's like, you really, you really should tell her, though I wish I had this excuse, because then I wouldn't have to decide between Betty and Veronica. And he, he's just having a rough time with himself about this Mm -hmm. and he's walking down the hall like i don't know what to do but before that there's this really sad like sad in greater context uh, reggie panel uh where he's talking to archie well i know you haven't asked anybody because otherwise you know whoever you didn't ask would have come to me yeah and i've been waiting to see if i was going to be so-and-so's runner-up Oh, you mean like when you're an adult, Reggie? Yeah. <laughs> Just picking up Archie's cast-offs in either reality? Yeah. Oh, poor guy. So Archie's walking down the hall, and he hears someone crying, and he goes into this room, and we find that it's Ethel. <laughs> and Ethel's upset. He's like, oh, I guess you heard like about Jughead's grandma's birthday party. And she's like, well, it doesn't even matter. No one else asked me to the dance either. And then Archie's like, hey, you want to go with me? (laughs) And then they go, and they have a really great time. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad they brought uh, that 1964 pilot into continuity. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Cheryl's like, I thought you guys were always, like, hurt and upset that, like, he took her instead. And they're like, no, like, we knew he was doing something nice you know, for someone, and it made her happy. Mm-hmm. And how could we be upset about that? What I want to know is why this man who's inserted <laughs> into the negative space just to fill out the composition cannot grow a mustache. He looks like he's from the 70s. But like he he's insists got... on trying to grow a mustache. His glasses. It's very bad. 
He's fictional. He doesn't have to be that way. So we're at the school for this presentation, and there's so many people. Giant stage erected on the football field at Riverdale High. Now, darling, Uh can you recognize what is wrong with this layout? The people are there? Yeah, everything is faced toward the left, but the only crowd we see is on the right, looking at everyone's backs. I assume there's another side of seats. But that does make me wonder, why is the stage not turned sideways? Yeah, like in the end zone. Yeah. It's so a ev- weird. everybody gets an equally bad view. Yeah, it's it's odd. And so... Can Riverdale High afford a Jumbotron for these people? Yeah. Maybe, I don't think I don't, so. Probably not. So Betty and Veronica are talking to Weatherby, and he's looking at that picture of them all, and they're like, remember we said no crap. Tears. This is going to be a celebration, not a memorial. Uh, and so it it starts. Y'all right. We're going to celebrate. Boys, <laughs> play the Charleston. And they're all like, oh, man, you remember when Archie played that gig here? And remember when Archie got super glued to a hockey stick when he tried to set this trap for Reggie? Man, those were the days. <laughs> Jughead is wearing a number eight jersey. Was that supposed to be Archie's number? Are they also retiring his football jersey? Maybe. So then Kevin gets introduced and he, uh, and like, okay, he's going to say some words. Remember, we're not going to dwell on the tragedy, but we're going to celebrate the triumph of the human spirit. And then he starts conducting an orchestra with his (laughs) eyes closed. I've never seen a public speaker do that, and I would not support it if I did. Yeah. And so Kevin starts talking about the first time he laid eyes on the town. He, he was coming to this place, the place that was known as a small town with a big heart. He was skeptical. But then, you know, he, he, he found what a great place it was. There's no more caring and giving individuals to be found anywhere but Riverdale. He's clearly campaigning for five years <laughs> yes. down the road. And that Archie Andrews wouldn't, you know, it's, he didn't just jump in a bullet. Like, jump in front of the bullet for Kevin. He would have done that for anyone. Mm-hmm. So that's the type of person he was. Put others before himself. Fred and Mary are moved to tears. Yes. In this story about the death of their son that they are not really in, uh, no. <laughs> quite frankly. No. And the Archie Andrews is the product of all of us, just as he's part of us all in return. So then they we find out that they're renaming the high school Archie Andrews High School. Mm-hmm. And then there's this really great picture of of everyone like celebrating and hugging that kind of mimics the picture from high school. Right, right. With with a hole in the middle where Archie used to be. Yeah. But everyone's in, in different celebratory poses. Jughead's thrown up the horns? Yes. He's dual-wielding the horns. I dig it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very sweet. It's mm-hmm. a very, very sweet Ethel is, is doing some sort of, of uh, disco maneuver. Ethel and Cheryl are both part of a silent disco right now. Yes, yeah. I... Is this supposed to be Dilton? Oh my god, did Dilton go bald? Dilton went prematurely incredibly bald. Because he's been in a few panels that, and it didn't dawn on me, but right. it's gotta be Dilton. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. All the hair migrated to his chin. Yeah. Oh, no. He got that Amish beard. Oh, buddy. He does have the Amish beard. Svensson has better facial hair than you. He's just going strong. He hasn't died. He's still alive. He looked ancient then. 
I mean, same with the lunch lady. Oh my god, is the lunch lady going to be the villain of the next season of Riverdale? <laughs> Did that guy die though? Did the other teacher die? Flute Snoot? Yeah. Flute Snoot might have died. Oh no! And then, then they bring up a poem. Mm-hmm. A very famous poem by Lord Byron. And it was something Miss Grundy always taught. And they they all say little parts of this poem at, po- at Jughead's Chocolate Shop. And as they can't remember the next bit, they get interrupted from off panel. And the faces they make. They're like. <gasps> it, they look like they like Archie walked in. Zombie Archie. Like decomposing. Yes. Like the end of the monkey's paw. But no, it's that, that trio of children that looks strangely like them. <laughs> Who's like, oh yeah, we just learned that last week. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess uh, Miss Grundy still haunts these halls. I guess, yeah. Um, I, I guess because she died, they must still teach this. Uh, otherwise, to appease yes. her ghost. As we all know, there is no other reason to teach Lord Byron in public school. <laughs> Heavens. Uh, so Chuckhead's all like, oh yeah, I owe you uh, an ice cream soda um, because of earlier. And so, so he makes one, and he's gonna start making the next one. And then uh, Reggie's like, "Hey, Jughead, don't make the other one. Looks like they're fine." And we get a panel of the trio sharing three straws in this milkshake. Mm-hmm. Betty and Veronica hugging, and Kevin, Reggie, and Jughead looking on. Yeah, the, the, this trio of, of children uh, recreating the the most famous. Archie Pose. Yes. It's been recreated so many times, but now with, with the new generation. Yeah. And that kid's head is a perfect sphere. <laughs> it is. It's a little strange. And that is the end. Mm-hmm. There, there's uh, some afterwards, and uh, it starts with a timeline to get you caught up, but I, I handled that. Yeah. But that's basically it. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. The cover first gallery I, in the back. First time I read it, I cried. Yeah. Well, there's so much... The thing with this one is no matter how much we describe it, there's such great imagery. Yes. And yes. such great throwbacks to other comics. Mm-hmm. And just background characters that you notice. And... It's it's full of feeling and respect. And, and it's a very earned conclusion, too. Like a, a three-year run. Yeah. Of, of this version of these characters. Like, they went through a hell of a lot. Yes. It was the CW Riverdale before. I'm In a sense, like, the, the idea was to make Archie an adult and have him go through adult things. Yeah. And, and they were literally adult things. Like, yeah. I, I could not imagine Riverdale giving a character uh, cancer and following them through it. Yeah. Or if I they mean, would, it, it would be like that sexy kind of cancer that you get on TV. <laughs> yeah. But this is like if you made it into, I guess, a non-CW drama. Yeah, if yeah. If you made like a regular primetime drama. It's like actually adult, not entertainment adult. I guess this is like... Not like um, edgy adult. This is us, Archie version. <laughs> that's what it would be. Not yeah, that I've watched yeah. This Is Us, but from what I understand about it, I think that's what it would be closest to. But also there's like a, a super collider underneath the gym in one of the universes that threatens the existence of the other. Yeah. You know, for fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
there, there's a lot of seeds of things that would be that, that you could see as antecedents to Riverdale, but also a lot of themes that seem completely opposed to Riverdale. Yes. Like all the stuff about leave it. Th- this town is great because it never really changes. But it changes constantly. Everything and changes. And, and Riverdale is all about ancient original sin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, the stuff where I was saying, like, I could see them using this mm-hmm. pretty closely for, like, a finale. Yes. Where they, like, jump ahead. And, yeah, you have Jughead running the chocolate shop. Absolutely. His dad's about to be yeah. <laughs> running the basement of it. <laughs> and you have uh, Kevin, who is doing all these big things. Yeah. And, you know, fighting. Riverdale's Kevin is poised to be a hero as an adult. Yes. He's he's still got some cooking to do as, like, this, this poor soul. <laughs> But you can see him ending up there. Yes, yes. Like, it's kind of, it's the thing where you can see pretty much all the characters ending up in these places. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've got a, a fully actualized and, and benevolent uh, Cheryl. Yeah. A, a path we're rockily heading towards. Yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed, on TV. I mean, what else can it happen in her life? She could get cancer. <laughs> At this point, that's all that's left. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, how are you going to update Archie for, I guess in this case, 2010 through 2014? Yeah. It's not that different from how you get writers saying, well, how do we do it for 2016? Mm-hmm. But they're teens. Yeah. <laughs> Still. <laughs> they're, they're of, they're of a, a kin. I th- they're, they're siblings that don't get along very well, I, I would say. Yes. To, to turn a metaphor. What do you think of some of these flashback stories that that don't rely on the characters being adults? I like them because they are so they're so true to like little Archie stories and stuff. Yeah. Usually him getting into more trouble mm-hmm. would be the case. There are those stories out there of like the little Archie ones where like, yeah, he does this, but then he helps a friend. And he mm-hmm. does this, but then he does this good deed. And I like that it focuses on those things where he's still getting into mischief in mm-hmm. one way or another but it's about the outcome yeah yeah and it really captures those stories that mm-hmm. were written i think really well and even i love the um the like snapshots yes all the snapshot montages because they're because you you see these still images and your mind can conjure the story around them yes you you can picture the whole day they had yeah um, and it's great. Yeah. And I like the different, like, I guess the aesthetic they capture of different ages mm-hmm. and styles, even. I mean, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think all the characters age very believably and recognizably. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not Dilton. I don't know how I didn't catch that before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not, think of, just channel him as a hipster. And it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Think of it as, if, like, not he went bald, but he just shaved his head and he grew No, beard. yeah. He, Dilton didn't actually go bald. He's just like me and decided to go all the way with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He's committed to the look. <laughs> and uh, he now operates a brewery mm-hmm, that he, mm-hmm. like, really... It's because it has to do with science and he could, like... Yeah. It's all very scientific. It's stuff. applied chemistry. Yeah, he has insufferable nerd names for all his beers. Yeah. it's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> but that's a good point. Like these two issues together, 
they could be read as like an Archie and a little Archie sampler with like this weird linking story. Why are they adults? Just skip that bit. <laughs> well, and that's like any of those stories could be standalone stories. Absolutely. Completely. Yeah. Because yeah. they're also like long enough to be. Yes. <laughs> um, I think only one of them is like a one pager. Mm-hmm. The rest are all multiple pages. Uh, so a- as a capstone, I-, I really do enjoy Death of an Icon, A Life Celebrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I-, I would encourage anyone uh, interested to-, to check out uh, The Married Life, the whole Life with Archie run. Yeah. It's very good. They they do a lot of good stuff with like Moose as mayor, you know, and, and him working through his issues and, and starting a relationship with his therapist, mm-hmm. his blind therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what's fun about the series, like, because it does have those like two stories, you get to see mm-hmm. like the what if, if this person did this or what if this right. character went this way. And it's fun to see them play with that. Right. Right. I mean... Archie and Betty falling on hard times because his music career in New York didn't actually work. Yeah. Is an interesting story. And so is Archie and Veronica trying to improve Lodge Industries from within to protect the town they love from the company they work for. Yeah. And you get to have both. You get to have both. (laughs) So, it is your job to adapt this story into the ending of Riverdale. Mm -hmm. They are still teens, but Archie must die. What do you do? You seem really disappointed there's there's still teens. You just want to take this as a shooting script, don't you? Yes. Just go with it. Yes. <laughs> but fine, if they're still teens. Okay. Kevin's running for alderman. Yeah, he's going to be the youngest alderman in some state. Well, no, New York. New York. Is there really an age thing on alderman? Why alderman? They're going to need a new mayor. Hermione's not going to last forever. Well, so he's he's running for alderman... Because he he wants to stand up and take over, like, for what he believes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's his platform? Because in, in this, Kevin was shot, I think, equal parts for being a gay senator and for being pro-gun control. He sees how the town gets torn apart by by those of wealth. Mm-hmm. It, it spews a lot of hate. Mm-hmm. There's probably some anti-gay rhetoric in there that comes out. So his main uh, campaign promise is to institute, like, a city income tax on those, like, uh, with, like, uh, above $5 million to their name. Yes, looking at you, Lodges. Yeah. (laughs) Um, An incredibly specifically targeted income tax. Yes. (laughs) Archie has... uh, reminiscing because it's time to go to college and he's worried mm-hmm. he's not making and he's talking basically all this talk about girls this is talk about college okay mm-hmm. he's like well do i go there or do i go there and what right. is this and like who this and because veronica's like a, a legacy at some like european uh-huh. institute and and while Betty's going to a liberal arts school in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. So basically, whatever college he picks is what girl he picks. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't know, and he just keeps talking about it, like about colleges and college euphemisms. Or euphemisms. You know, <laughs> I love those euphemisms for college. But you know, like it's you'd use that type of talk to be like, wait, who's he with? What's going on? The um, hallowed halls, and I've run out. I just have the one. Yeah. 
So there would be a hit out on Kevin Mm -hmm. because of his income tax. And so Archie does have to take the bullet. But Jughead does have the chocolate shop. Mm -hmm. He's he's running it and writing for the paper. By this point, the music venue has collapsed. The the, uh, Riverdale Register, under new management, is being run from the basement instead. Yes. Yes. So he's he's double... Got double duty there. Because it turns out his dad doesn't know any bands. Yeah. It's a bad plan. Cheryl has rebuilt the Thorn Mansion thing, mm-hmm. and it's now a home for orphan children that she and Nana Rose are raising together. Oh. Now, is it orphan children or is it runaways? Both. Okay. Okay. She does not Way- turn any away. Wayward children in Ch- general. Children in need. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and she has found her life purpose. Mm-hmm. I think she supports it by selling recreational marijuana. Well, what do you think they use that greenhouse for? Exactly. Nana Rose always had a hobby. Glaucoma, my child. <laughs> this is all I got right now. <laughs> what would you do? No, I think you got a strong setup. Now, you would think that it's the lodges trying to trying to come for him, but no. They've been through this before. Uh, Hermione and Hiram have been, like, at each other's throats in, like, a cold war for years now. Which I hope is what season three is about. I'm really excited <laughs> for that dynamic. I, I want that to be a thing. Uh, it's the, the Poutine clan. Poutine clan, yeah. They're trying to move in. They see that the lodges are weak. They're, they're, they're crumbling from within. They want to move in. But they want to make it a place that's worth... They want to keep it a place that's worth moving into. Yeah. They got to take them out. Okay. I mm-hmm. like that. I like mm-hmm. the poutine clan. Yes. Yeah. It's good. Framing the lodges, of course. Yes. So that it's even better for them to come in. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what anyone else is doing right now. Dilton doesn't exist, much like the rest of Riverdale. <laughs> I think one, one reason it's hard to talk about how we do this in, in the TV show when we, you come to Betty and Veronica, is because Betty and Veronica are so absent from this story. Yes. Like, it's all about them, in a sense. They just don't do anything. Oh, really? Because if they did anything, you would know who married who. Yes. So they're they're just locked in being sad together and comforting one another and uh, before the shooting, joking with one another. They don't interact with anyone but one another. Well, and Cheryl. They and, and yeah, and people yeah. talking to them while they're together. Yes. They, they might as well be conjoined twins. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's why it's hard to come up with anything for them. Mm-hmm. And you can't really write, like, direct them into something else right now. Because that would, like, decide. Yeah, yeah. And you gotta keep that mystery. It's a strange corner they painted themselves into mm-hmm. but that's what happens when your last job was bat boy uh, yeah yeah no i i don't mean to, to sound dismissive I, I really enjoyed this on the whole the only thing i think i wish there was something about mm-hmm. is jughead's reaction to his bus boy killing right? his best friend right? <laughs> like fired definitely fired come but on like I feel like there should be something there of like him dealing with guilt or something. Yeah, or yeah. Like he gave the shooter the golden how, opportunity. How he's come to terms with things or something. I'm like, I feel like this is a little bit of a missed opportunity there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
Also, good job uh, showing that anti-hoodie profiling is unfounded. Right? Yeah. Just because you're wearing a hoodie. I don't know why he had the hood up indoors. Like me. He had a cold head. There were 80 Hoodie. people. They were making fire marshal jokes. It must have been sweltering in Hoodies there. Hoodies are cozy. Okay. Why is Busboy wearing a beanie? Fashion. Hoodies fashion. No, it's not. That's a lie. <laughs> Just don't understand. <laughs> but uh, while we're finishing one series, I, th- I think we should carry that energy over into another finale. Yeah. One you've been waiting yeah? for for months now. Are we going to read some fan fiction? All the Snakes of the Forest, yes. Chapter 4, the final chapter of our favorite Riverdale fanfiction. Yes. Uh, as a recap, when, when we last left you, there was a sting operation to prove that uh, Father Blossom w- is the killer and uh, the attempted killer of Penelope. But it went bad, in part due to the fact that he is a secret twin. <laughs> I love that this uh, semi-joke fic that was meant to just crank everything up to 11 correctly predicted a lot of things. Yep. (laughs) That's the kind of show Riverdale is. Yep. Would you like to take the first section? Yes. Clifton forced all three of them to march to the Andrews trailer under the threat of being shot. FP tried to take the gun from him a few times, but without the element of surprise, it was useless. Useless. Clifton seemed to have near superhuman strength and speed. The Andrews trailer? The Andrews have a trailer? Yeah, like the, the office trailer at the construction site. Oh, 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 okay. The Andrews construction gotcha. trailer. Gotcha, gotcha. I was confused. Okay. As is typical of reform school imbeciles, Cheryl hissed. That's your father. Have some respect. Okay, that's not true, because Joaquin would be a lot more useful if it was, he said. <laughs> Why aren't you at the labor riot, said Polly. FP said, please, if Keller saw me working, he'd know something was up. My cover was getting stinking drunk. FP, Polly said, slowly, you do work. You go to work right here for Mr. Andrews every day so that the babies and I can have food. FP stared at her. Then he cursed violently. What curse do you think it was? Crapola. Yeah, good, good. Very Crapola! I've gone straight. Very violent curse. <laughs> Don't curse, Polly said. <laughs> Especially not that one. <laughs> I didn't arrange to have you baptized into the Catholic Church so that you could take up cursing. <laughs> you baptized this ingrate, sneered Clifton behind her. I feel like Clifton would be, like, anti-Catholic. Like, he'd say <laughs> that one doesn't count. Polly ignored him. She'd only invited the serpents to be baptized, and a significant minority had consented. The rest were either cheerfully godless or culturally Jewish agnostic. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. All right. That, that sundown, no selling weed until next sundown. That's the rules. Which Polly respected, even if learning it had made her feel horrible. Horrible about her attempts to attempts to institute weekly prayer and song. Thankfully, Mustang, the elected spokesman for the Jewish cons- contin- for the Jewish con- Jewish contingent, had really? resolved this dilemma by agreeing to co-host cooking classes for everyone instead. 
Well, we knocked over the corner store. There's only one way to divide the takings. Brought my dreidel. <laughs> she hoped that Mustang was safe. She hoped that all the serpents were safe. And that Clifton hadn't ensnared any more of them. When they made it to the trailer, she swiftly discovered that Clifton had it. He only had Betty, Jughead, Veronica, Hermione, and Fred. Clifton had lured them all to the trailer and tied them up. And now he gestured with the gun for FP to tie Cheryl and Polly. You'll have to kill me first, FP said brazenly. Don't be a fool, FP, Fred managed to say around the... Don't be a fool, FP, FP managed to say around the length of rope Clifton had used to gag him. Don't tell me what to do, FP said. I know what you think of me. I'm crazy about you, but you think I'm just a screw-up. <laughs> okay, if you're crazy about him, Clifton said, then it's him I'm going to shoot first if you don't tie those girls up. Sorry, Polly, FP said, giving up. It's okay, Polly said. I understand. <laughs> she held out her hands so that FP could tie them and tried to think her way out of this. She had the amulet, but the amulet didn't work on Clifton. It would work on the others, so she could probably make someone act as a distraction long enough for her to get the gun, but she didn't want to put any of them at risk like that. Clifton had her beloved little sister, her sister's true love, her sister's true love's father, his true love, her other sister, her other sister's true love, and her other sister's true love's mother. In short, all people Polly would gladly call family. I need a chart. <laughs> I need a chart and an adult. All right, Clifton told FP once the girls were trussed up with the others. Against the wall. I'm going to tie you now, and then I'm going to gag you three. And then I'm going to execute every last one of you and take the amulet. Unfortunately for him, once he'd finished tying FP, it became clear that he only had enough rope to gag maybe two of the remaining three people. This is what happens when you break your mother's heart and her legs, Cheryl said snippily. Okay, I'm definitely gagging you, Clifton said. I've wanted to gag you for years. <laughs> Don't you dare. You're taking away my joy, Clifton. Well, he did this, cursing occasionally because Cheryl kept trying to bite him. His <laughs> remaining seven captives tried to communicate with their eyes. This should have been difficult, but actually it was fairly easy. <laughs> they, they all watch a lot of Tyra Banks. They know how to smile. Betty, Jughead, Veronica, Hermione, Fred, and FP all seemed to be in agreement. FP should take the hit and get gagged. Polly would be the one best equipped to talk them out of this. Really? Polly mouthed behind Clifton's back. Jughead nodded frantically. FP mouthed, you're the boss, boss. Hey, he said when Clifton had finished gagging Cheryl and was eyeing Polly. You're even uglier than your brother, you know that? <laughs> We're identical, you reprobate, Clifton said, turning to him, backhanding him so hard he fell over. Clifton stepped over him and began readying the gag. As he worked, he said, How else do you think we managed to pass as one man for the past 37 years? How else do you think I managed to always get access to Thornhill so that I could live in the attic and wander the halls at night, trying to smother the children in their beds? If it took you 37 years to smother your children, for one, you were doing a lot of work before they were born. That's dedication. <laughs> Two, you're really bad at smothering children. 
Cheryl made a horrified sound. That's right, Clifton said. It was me. Me who little Polly pushed down the stairs. Me, the Thornhill ghost. And I would have murdered Cheryl and Jason long ago if it wasn't for Mother with her spells. She has Singaporean blood, so you see, she knew I wasn't dead. Nothing had happened to my doll after all. Your what? FP managed before he too was gacked. Remember the the hall of dolls that were all broken in ways reminiscent of how the the blossoms died? Yeah. It's a callback. And all of her blood. All that blood. But Polly didn't need an explanation. Well... Not for the doll, anyway. I could still use an explanation. (laughs) Clifton, she said. One question before you kill us. Why? Clifton turned to look at her. Madness burned in his eyes. Why, he said. How can you, of all people, ask me that? Your mother sent you to a reformatory, Polly said slowly. My mother sent me to a reformatory, Clifton said, nodding. And then my brother broke me out so that I could live with him and be the one true half of his soul. Veronica made a disgusted sound, and for that matter, so did everyone else. (laughs) This is going where I think it's going, isn't it? (laughs) Yep. It's going. I'm not ashamed, Clifton shrieked. I'm the only person my brother loves, and he's the only one I love. We've always hated Jason and Cheryl. But for a long time, neither of them were a real threat. They were weak. Molly coddled by mother. Neither of them was fit to inherit the amulet from Clifford. The amulet Clifford had promised to me. The amulet that signals the true maple heirs. Then Jason met you, Polly Cooper. Polly swallowed hard. Jason became worthy of the amulet, she guessed. Because he learned how to love. (laughs) What? Clifton said. No, don't be stupid. The amulet doesn't care about love. It literally... It's literally an evil cursed amulet. It just liked your babies better than me and Clifford. So it's a Twilight thing. (laughs) It imprinted on the babies. So I had my gang kidnap Jason and bring him to me. And then he wouldn't tell me where you were. So I couldn't kill you. Wait, you also have your own gang? Polly said. Are they culturally Jewish agnostic? (laughs) Please, Clifford said. What are your job options once you leave a reformatory? They don't exist. You have to commandeer a gang. It's literally the only way. They have pamphlets in the lobby. Me, I commandeered three. The Grippers, Gollums, and Gremlins. (laughs) And I would have expanded into Riverdale if the serpents hadn't stopped me. FP offered some very satisfied muffling. Clifford backhanded him again. Hey, Fred managed oh, her. Fred managed to get around his gag. That's not necessary. <laughs> I appreciate the effort, dear. It's like you tried to murder your children for th- your entire life. Clifford moved off of FP and went to tighten Fred's gag. That's FP's job. You back off. <laughs> yes, it is. He informed them all. I hate that snake and Cheryl and Polly most of all. In fact. I think I'll shoot the rest of you. But you three, you three I will gladly beat to death. I don't think you get a chance to talk. (laughs) At that moment, Polly and most of the others noticed the crowbar lying innocently by the door. Cheryl gave a frightened yip. Yip. (laughs) I'll give you the amulet, Polly said. You can have it. I don't even want it. Just set these people free. 
The amulet chooses, Clifford snapped, and it wouldn't be yours to give away if it didn't. It belongs to your babies. Truly, if I could spare your life and just kill the babies, I'd do that, but... What? Polly said. Why? You just said you hated me two seconds ago. Yeah, seriously, dude. Come on. I know, Clifford said, <laughs> wrinkling his nose. But I just remembered my original true love <laughs> you know, that you kind of remind me of. How sometimes you forget your original true love, and then you see someone that kind of reminds you of them. Did he look in a mirror? Yeah. What? Polly said. Why else would I be an attic-dwelling gangster madman who escaped from a Catholic reformatory, Clifton said. (laughs) Because I lost my first true love, and everyone knows that when that happens, it just leads to criminality, sin, and murder. In this case, yours. He put down his gun and started for the crowbar. (gasps) Wait, Polly said. Who, Who was your first true love? Just out of curiosity. Clifton scowled. The one girl in town, mother, would never let me be with, of course. The daughter of Clifton two... Clifton got around. The daughter of two maple-hating reporters who claimed that our family's syrup recipe rotted the teeth. Little Alice Gluten Schnabel. <laughs> little Alice Gluten Schnabel. Oh, no. <laughs> Anyone but little Alice Glutenschnabel. How else would you say that? I would try to maintain my confidence through the whole thing come hell or high water. Oh, my shoulders. <laughs> you start laughing because it hurts. Okay. What? Polly said. What? Betty managed around... Uh, whoa! Betty managed around her own gag. Clifton I opened. thought he ran out of rope. How is everyone gagged? Except it, it, Polly, Polly, I guess. Polly and, like, FP weren't. Okay. I think. Well, no, FP was. Yeah. I think Polly's the only one that's not gagged. He barely ran out of rope. Clifton opened his mouth to answer, but before he could, the door behind him pushed open a crack. A familiar manicured hand slid in. The hand picked up the crowbar and cracked him across the head with it. Clifton Blossom went down. Yeah, all right. Polly's mother stepped into the trailer and looked at his twitching body. That's funny, she said, because I don't remember you, like, at all. Archie and Kevin poked their heads in behind her. This is why you should include me, Archie said. I'm useful. I went and got (laughs) Betty's mother. (laughs) Actually, he got me, Kevin said, stepping inside and moving to undo Veronica's gag. I got Betty's mother, who left the site of Clifford Blossom's arrest to come get you guys. Uh, not that I'm involved. I didn't say you were useless, Veronica told Archie once her gag was off. I was trying to explain that you're myopic and insensitive. I am not, Archie said hotly. Where's your girlfriend, said Veronica. Oh, Val, Archie said. How should I know? I don't think I've seen her since the baby shower. I love you, Archie. I love you so much. Ooh, ooh, ooh I get ooh, a turn. You get a tiny tag. Turn. Tag. Clifford was arrested for Jason Blossom's murder since the jacket was discovered inside his car by Nana and Sheriff Keller. Alice had given up that scoop to rescue her daughters, but she was richly rewarded when she got the scoop on Clifford's evil twin. Does that make him the good twin? I guess. Clifton was arrested for murder, 
racketeering, drug dealing, kidnapping, extortion, torture, arson, <laughs> car theft, postal theft, <laughs> bribery of a jury, auto stripping in the second degree, exposure of a person, ooh, even freaky, impairing the integrity of a paramutual betting system, re- residential <laughs> mortgage fraud, sports bribe receiving, un. Unpermitted use of pyrotechnics in the second degree, substitution of children, identity theft, jostling, welfare fraud, and speeding. FP was interviewed on TV at the site of the arrest. I'm just a humble construction foreman who loves his kids, he said. And all those crimes were definitely committed by the grippers, golems, and gremlins, not, not other people. I'd swear that to anybody. I'd swear that to my kid if he asked me. He won't, Jughead said, sighing. Tag. Tag. Nobody ever did build a fence museum. But in the weeks <laughs> <Don't say. laughs> But in the weeks that followed, the town learned that at least Sheriff Keller was not as corrupt as they thought. And that in fact he was relieved to put his old boss away. For the next few years, the sheriff could often be seen around town muttering. 453 white picket fences at 99 feet tall at 99 feet tall? And he wanted to put that on my patrol beat? Screw him! Still, his father's improved public image in turn relieved Kevin, who loosened up enough to agree to take a two-week sexy vacation to a farm with Joaquin if Joaquin would only give up Catholicism and go for his GED. Why? Is is the inquisition... What? Why does he have to give up Catholicism? Why? Well, because they're kind of assholes to gay people. I guess. <laughs> but Joaquin's making it work for himself. I guess. Uh, I don't know if you need to put up terms, though, Kevin. You could just be like. Is the Reformation waging in Riverdale? Joaquin accepted these terms and after getting his GED, went to college and after college became a passionate community organizer who successfully campaigned for the closing of all the area reformatories. Archie went online and discovered that Val had broken up with him on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember that episode. (laughs) Hermione continued her secret plan to manipulate both Fred and Hiram into building a multi-billion dollar complex to revitalize South Riverdale. So that she could someday divorce Hiram and still get millions in alimony and child support. No one would discover the plan for another two years, but it would be successful and Hermione would end up the richest person in Riverdale. Clock's ticking on that child support. Veronica's not going to be a minor for too much (laughs) longer. Mayor McCoy did push through the initiative to put a white picket fence with a gate on the town flag. (laughs) For no good reason. FP and most of the serpents went mostly straight, working except Joaquin. Except Joaquin, uh, working construction by day and drinking hard by night until Fred put his foot down and made FP enroll in a day treatment program. FP complained about it endlessly, but did it for Fred and his kids, who he claimed to genuinely, generally love, despite the occasional evidence to the contrary. Genuinely, genuinely. Did I not say? You right? said generally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who he claimed to generally... Nope. <laughs> genuinely. Genuinely. Like genuine, who sings pony. Genuinely. Yeah. Who he claimed to genuine... Genu... That he claimed... <laughs> who he claimed... You should do books on tape, dear. <laughs> who he claimed to genuinely love, despite the occasional evidence to the contrary. FP was just glad that he was nope. in... Nope. 
Polly was just glad that he was in recovery, since secretly she liked FP best of all. Happily, she frequently met him and many of the other serpents at weekly mass, all except for Joaquin, who she who she often saw at social functions, and except for Mustang and the Jewish contingent. These serpents were always there to welcome Polly at Thornhill. So in the serpents, you are either Catholic or culturally Jewish agnostic (laughs) or Joaquin. Or Joaquin. Who has been forced to renounce his faith. Yes. Okay. Okay. This was because Cheryl soon moved back home. She took Veronica Lake with her... (laughs) She took Veronica Lake with her and the hired snake. yes, and hired twenty of the thirty-seven serpents to tend the grounds and manor. Really, she'd wanted Mustang, who was both an excellent cook and had become like a brother to her. When Cheryl's mother balked at hiring someone who needed all of the Jewish holidays off, Cheryl pitched a dramatic, screaming fit and shook Penelope until she agreed. <laughs> Nana watched on indulgently. I do love those latkes. <laughs> Veronica, despite herself, asked Cheryl out not long after that. She realized that if she was willing to if she was willing to embroil herself in a madcap Riverdale plot for a girl, then that was usually the first sign that she wanted to date that girl, and since Veronica was a lodge, she usually went for what she wanted. Predicting Cheryl dating a girl, just the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Betty and Jughead kept on dating and never once went to a farm, which was good because Jughead's father opposed farming on principle as it w- as it required a great deal of work and paid very little. He read it in a report <laughs> in an earlier chapter. Jughead decided to never reveal to his father just how much the average writer made. <laughs> he and Betty were very happy together, and Betty eventually started smiling as much as she used to, which relieved Polly. Aww. Why did you approach Clifton after I asked you to just give up the plan? Polly asked her a few weeks after the Senior Blossoms twins' arrest. Polly, Betty said. Come on, you looked so spooked. It was my job to make sure you never looked you never look like that for long. Betty did eventually become godmother to one of the babies, Jason Jr., and Cheryl the godmother to the other, Serpent Alice Nana. <laughs> <laughs> No one ever tried to dictate the baby's gender or professional destiny to them, which Polly thought was nice. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. (laughs) No one ever told the babies what to do, period, because the babies inherited a maple fortune, an all-powerful cursed amulet, and a small dash of that old blossom sociopathy. That old blossom sociopathy. So they were awful. They were just awful, awful people. Clifford and Clifton both went to old Sparky. Penelope took up the art of maple pruning. Alice divorced Hal and changed her name back to Gutensnaffelbull. <laughs> Did you see the pictures from that live-action Kim Gutensnaffelbull? She, people are up in arms, and I don't know why. The Blosser Cooper Gutensnaffelbull. <laughs> the Blossom Cooper Gutensnaffelbull family more or less got along, especially after pa- <laughs> Especially after Polly finally moved back home. She couldn't really hate her mother after her mother had given up a chance to her... Her... What? Harangue. Harangue. That's how you spell that. I did not know that's how you spelled that. (laughs) After her mother had given up a chance to harangue a handcuffed Clifford Blossom in order to brain Jason's murderer with a crowbar. Besides this, Alice was a big support... 
when it came to arguing for new family traditions. One that ones that didn't involve coffins or creepy dolls. See, instead of breeding ever larger carnivorous plants, Alice explained to a stupefied Cheryl, Penelope, and Nana one day, you could all volunteer at the soup kitchen with Betty when Betty goes on Thursdays. She goes every Thursday to see the poor, said Penelope. Nana's allergic to the poor, Cheryl said, or Cheryl put in. She can't help it. She has the blood of Sealand. The bl- oh, you, you're not familiar with the blood of Sealand? <laughs> no. Why are you giving me this look? <laughs> Did I miss something? You know, Sealand and its blood. And Nana continues to have Gypsy, Chippewa, Schwami, Midwestern, Nepalese, Australian, Polish Canadian, Swedish, Peruvian, Singaporean, and Sealand blood. Sometimes Polly considered asking her why she kept that blood, and then Polly would think, you know what? Better not. So it's not actually blood in her, it's she just has vials of blood? You had it right all along, dear. You're you're a genius. Nana Rose has one of those like sashes that you see the dudes on the train that have the little vials of perfume that they mm-hmm. sell. But it's blood. Yeah. That's what you said when we did the first chapter. I forgot. (laughs) It was a long time ago. This is why I wanted to do it all at once. The end. The end. The end. I got to read a little bit of the I got to read. Well, I've been looking forward to this for months, so I guess it makes sense. (laughs) I hope I did well and I was entertaining. Glutenschnabel. Glutenschnabel. (laughs) I I don't think I said the name the same way twice. That's that's the end of all the snakes of the forest. Again, a fanfic I found just by searching Nana Rose and stumbling across brilliance. Uh, I would like to give a shout out to Nimia Me. Mm-hmm. You are amazing. You're our favorite. I love you. But thank you for joining us on uh, this second Memory Lane episode of the summer. We're going to have at least one more bonus episode before the show returns on uh, October 10th. Yes. So look forward for that. Maybe we'll squeeze a second. Maybe we won't. No promises. But also coming up is Gextra Life 3. Yeah. We do not currently have a date to announce, but once we do, we will announce it and we will not stop announcing it because we love uh, doing this campaign. Uh, If you weren't with us last year, Here's what it is. We and a pair of our friends play video games for 24 hours straight, raising money for Hurley Children's Hospital in Flint, Michigan. Our goal for this, the third year, is to raise $35,000, which will bring our three-year total to $100,000. Yeah! And I know we can do it with your help. So again, look out for announcements as they come. We're probably going to try to squeeze that uh, next bonus episode in just before that in order to help build the hype. Yeah. 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 It's what we did last year when we first read fan fiction. Yeah. (laughs) I have great ideas. Yeah, you do. If you've enjoyed us over these episodes. Mm Mm-hmm. And you haven't yet done it, you should leave us a rating or review yeah. on your podcast place of choice. Stuff our box over at uh, Apple Podcasts, which is something that I think Cheryl said in, in that fanfic. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I'm FP and Fred, that's their favorite saying. You, you mean uh, business inquiries over at the, the oh, Andrews yeah. Construction trailer. Yep. Okay, cool. Cool. Uh <laughs> 
You can also tell a friend word of mouth is a powerful, powerful thing, and we do appreciate it. I've been seeing so many people over the summer break getting into Riverdale, talking about Riverdale as they catch up uh, on Netflix and and other streaming-type places. Mm -hmm. So it's a great time. If you see that, be like, you know what? Your experience is not complete without Sex Archie. Yeah. Have a link. We, we appreciate that so much. Yeah. And another way you can get uh, some, some Riverdale mainline in your veins, the, the DVD set just came out. Yeah. So Season two. Hot gossip about those uh, uh, creator commentary tracks, deleted scenes, all that good stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at sex underscore Archie. Mm-hmm. Any given time there's news, you'll you'll see some joke and or commentary about that from us. We're saving up our news for one of these uh, uh, bonus episodes. Get it all at once. Mm-hmm. But but you can get the this, this steady drip over there. I'm Elena. I'm Grant. And from us here at Sex Archie. Archie Andrews is the product of all of us. Sugar. Ah, honey, honey. You are my candy girl. And you got me rocking you. Break it down, boy. Stunning indictment of all of us. <laughs>